Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. We bring to you the podcast champions of the world. I am Carthy. I am with Ben Davis. Hello. And we are going to talk about cheesy 80s horror movies. As you know from the format change, that we will be speaking about things 80s and you know we'll we'll touch on some different decades but our main focus is going to be the 80s and we're going to talk about all media now we did concentrate on music during our first run our first season as you will but now we decided to branch out because we both figured uh that uh given the time frame in which we grew up that there was so much to talk about of uh even other than music i mean music was fantastic in the 80s and 90s don't get me wrong but there is a special heart, special place rather, in our hearts for some cheesy 80s movies. They are classic, they're unforgettable, and they're unreproducible. There are no remakes of any of these 80s films that I can think of that have even come close to matching their originals. So today we're talking about cheesy 80s horror movies, which happens to be, listeners, my specialty. Um, I said it in the last podcast, I was not a breakfast club guy. I was not a breakfast at Tiffany's guy. I was not any of the really popular kid movies. I was so into horror. I wanted to be an FX makeup artist when I grew up because I enjoyed the genre so much. So Ben knows a significant amount about this, but I know a little bit more, maybe a couple little more deep cuts but we're going to talk about 80s cheesy horror films. Please enjoy the next hour or so. Sit back, relax, get your favorite drink, get your smoke on, and uh, let's enjoy the podcast. Ben Davis, bring us in. Yeah, so uh, what's been going on this past week, man? Um, building up to the Super Bowl, which I don't really give a crap about. <laughs> yeah, um, no, we're not in I, I'm going to enjoy the game, obviously, yeah. like I think most people are. I will go ahead and put it down right now. So any listeners who want to put a bet out there, I'm going with Philadelphia, and statistics prove that they're going to win. Um, Philadelphia just put 31 points on the number one defense, and uh, they have the number two defense in the NFL. And 12 out of the last 13 times, the number one or number two defense played the number one offense they won. So statistically speaking, you're doing a good bet. I'm not going to give you the spread, but I do believe the Eagles are going to win it, although I have no dog in the fight. All right, thank you. That was uh, your betting minute from B&K Sportsbook. Anyway, and that's... 10% Phil- of all proceeds go to our <laughs> Facebook page. And uh, that's the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Kansas City Chiefs, which is somehow still politically correct, which leads me into this next question. If anyone out there listening is following us or even has a Facebook, an Instagram, or a TikTok, and you happen to see the reel that we made, or you want to see the reel that we made for this podcast about cheesy or just horror movies in general, because... When you're just looking at the the visual effects and stuff, yes. it looks really cool. But if you see it in the focus of a movie, you're like, "Oh man, wow. that's cheese. That's bad." <laughs> but that is what made it great. And so um, I'm going to give Ben a big shout out. He didn't know I was going to do this online, but we are going to do it. Those are self-made clips. 
with self-found, uh, uh, you know, 80s type songs. And he cuts those clips and he puts them all together. So if you were on TikTok, Facebook, wherever, uh, Twitter's coming. I promise I'm going to get that together one day. But if you ever do see those and you like them, please comment, please subscribe, please like, because he actually does that himself. Um, I was shocked to find out that he didn't actually steal this from somebody else. No offense, bud. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they're fantastic. So you want to check them out and it'll always give you a clue as to what we're going to talk about in the upcoming podcast. Because he does stitch things together in a, in a, a certain way that it does give clues or little gumdrops. And in that reel, there are two scenes from a movie that looked really cool, but I don't know what it was, and I'm hoping you do. I do. It was an Indian chief for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's why I'm, bro- I'm broaching this. Uh, I don't think chief. I is set a, you up perfectly for this. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't think chiefs are a, a derogatory. So term. the Indian chief was looked possessed or something, and he was like decapitating or scalping a victim in this reel. What is the movie where the Indian chief is like this? Horrific killer. Do you know? Um, it, it, it was actually, uh, it wasn't necessarily a horror film, but it was uh, an old uh, 80s, uh, believe it or not, Indian film in which it wasn't Geronimo, but it was based off of another Indian. And they took it from the American Indian mm-hmm. side. And so he would creep into camps and he would kill people. He was sort of like the Navajo justice. Ah. So I don't remember the name of the film specifically, but I remember those scenes. Man, it was that was creepy looking. Um, it is well. Face. I mean, if you think about like let's say Revenant. Mm-hmm. I oh, mean, that's like man. just to give some like let's say something more uh, concrete that has been happening more recently. You know, at the very end of that scene, uh, you know they scout that guy. I mean, yeah, it, they do. Uh, there are movies out there, uh, listeners, where uh, if you want to watch about the American. Uh, an American Indian, or let's say colonial and American Indian interactions. Some of them can get really, really gory uh, <laughs> on the director's intent, but it goes both ways because what we did to the Indians is small in comparison to like a scalping. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just is. I mean, the way we burn down villages and things like that. But no, that movie was not a uh, horror movie per se. But it was a horror movie in the sense that the Indian guy, excuse me, I keep saying Indian, American Indian. Yeah. I want to classify that because we do have our, 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 our buddies to the, you know, the mm, yes. East. Yeah, we have. Um, so uh, I don't want to confuse the, the two. Our American Indian, Native American uh-huh. um, counterparts, uh, sort of like our prey from our last mm-hmm. counterpart. Yeah, but just times a thousand and... and, and um, you know, those type of warriors, those type of fighters have gone down in history as being some of the most ferocious and some of the most honorable fighters that there are, like gaining respect any, by anybody who that they come up against if you read these um, here, historical tropes or things like mm-hmm. that. So uh, that one, uh, you know, good look, good watch. But I think we're going to go a little bit more towards the cheese yeah. factor. If you uh, go through the through the reel, you see that there are two people in the horror movie franchises that play, play a predominant role, and that is Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger. Yes, I think they were the popular two, and I think to the chagrin of Halloween fans. I think mm. I know two Halloween fans. They're massive Halloween fans. Mm. 
and they almost hate. It's almost like Duke, Carolina, and State. Well, they almost hate Freddy Krueger and Jason because it takes away from Michael Myers' dominance or whatever you well, want. Well, you know, say. I think the '80s didn't do Michael Myers any favors, but the '90s were definitely a Michael Myers and the Scream face. Oh yeah, ghost face. Uh, Scream. That was their. That was their took decade. Over, uh, Freddie and Jason took a back seat before they rebooted them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so Michael Myers persisted. And then also, when you get a name like Rob Zombie associated with your movies, yeah, that's going to be a hard. That's going to be a hard movie to say pass on. You know. Oh yeah. Now Rob Zombie great directed director. two of the worst movies in my opinion ever. Don't you oh. say it. If you say it, don't you say oh, it. Oh, I'm not going to say it, but it has something to do with The Devil's Advocate. Um, but uh, I'm just saying they are so horribly bad. They have his daughter. They have a very famous horror uh, you know, actor in it. But they are gore for gore's sake. They are weird for weird's sake. The plot line makes no sense Talk whatsoever. Talk about a movie being strung along beautifully to a soundtrack or a soundtrack being strung along beautifully to a movie. There is no better film to look at that than The Devil's Rejects. You know what? As much I said Devil's Advocate, which is a movie with uh, Keanu Reeves and Charlize Theron mm-hmm. uh, from way back in the day before 90s. she was famous, Al and Al Pacino as the devil. So I do apologize about that, listeners. But I will give you that. It's kind of hard not to have a rockin' soundtrack with Rob Zombie directs your film. And he does know the musicality of it in terms of playing mm-hmm. what needs to be played when it's played. Again, some of the some of the gore just goes you're right. the top. It, you're 100% right. It, he, the gore is almost pornographic at times. In yes, it's almost distracting. Mm-hmm. Like you're so just, I mean, again, we mentioned this, Hostile, mm-hmm. last week when we were talking about it. Hostile is gory for the sake of being gory. You know, yeah. they have the, the blood shower where they hang the naked girl upside down, slit her throat, yeah. and let someone literally shower in her blood. Yay! I mean, again, me and Ben are from a different time. I didn't. I did not like the hostile film. No, again, gory for being gory's sake. We liked it because there was this main bad guy that yes. just was unstoppable. Jason was my man. You know what I mean? Freddie was my. Still man. is. I got the mask upstairs. Uh, I've got the glove at home. <laughs> so uh, you know, it, I think it's one of those things where you almost. It, I don't want to say anti-hero because they were never heroes. No. Nope. However, you pulled for the bad guy for nope. some reason. But to begin with, I do believe both of them, and I know for a fact, Jason started off much more uh, hardline, dead center horror. And as it progressed through the 80s, he became it got cheesier and cheesier. Cheesy. Um, 100% true, because remember the first one? Yeah. He wasn't even in. It, it, he was it, not actually the killer. Yeah, he was like a, they came in as a kid. Yeah, the it was end. it was his mom, mm-hmm. which and, is in the real, by the way, and him then, coming out of the lake. And he has the sack over his head, mm-hmm. and then in the second one, it comes back to be him, and then you start with the hockey mask and everything else. But I do believe Jason 3D starts the campiness. It does. Again, it goes through uh, anything we about 3D this. back then, yeah. You know, we talked Whoa! about it last podcast. You know, like he, <laughs> the guy's doing a handstand and Jason shows up behind him and takes a machete and cuts him right down the middle. That's that machete came machete. right out the screen at you in the 80s yeah. and you were like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And so, now that we're both 
men in our 40s were like, what kind of machete does that? That's what yeah, I, I need. Yeah, I was like, man, he's pretty strong. He must work out. Yeah, I, um, I need him to help me with my bushes. I mean, seriously, like, come out here and bushwhack some of this crap in my backyard. Yeah. However, at that time, it was about excess, though. The 80s was all about excess. I mean, oh, excess, yes. rather. Oh, my God. Especially 85 and before. Uh, well, I mean, we I'm, talked about it with Wall Street. Yeah, that's Just when it started. All of a it started sudden, to it was temper down after that. More is better. Yeah, more, more, more. more you yeah. know, and they just—I think what they did was they kind of cornered themselves a little bit because it's almost like wrestling did. Uh, not to mention my little intro there that I did from the <laughs> WWE. Um, but <clears throat> once you hit a certain spot, how can you go farther? Once you've had Shane McMahon, who is the owner's son. Jump 30 feet off a scaffold into the big show, who's seven foot four, 500 pounds, onto a wooden table, literally 30, 25 to 30 feet. Like, what, what, where do you go from there? Is he gonna have to like pick up a trident and stab him? I mean, like, <laughs> where, like where do you go from there? And so I think the, the 80s suffered from that because they are always each film trying to up yeah. the coolness of the kills. And you can only go so far before you get to the 90s. And then VX kind of catches up with everything. And they're like, oh, I know what we're going to do. We're going to make this as realistic yeah. as possible. And that wasn't my, at least for me, that wasn't my favorite way to go. I still enjoyed the cheese. I enjoyed the camp. You enjoyed practical effects. Yes. Yes. I still too to this day. And, um, you know, not to get off subject, but one of the subjects we will cover is Star Wars. We can't oh, yes. not cover Star Wars in our podcast, but you and I have always agreed on anything in the 15 years that we've known each other. It's been more like 20. Oh my God, I'm old. Dude, it's 2023. Oh yes, oh my gosh. We are two years away from being 20 years. You're exactly mm -hmm. right. I yeah. apologize. Sorry, faithful listeners. So tw you know, the next year will be our 20th year hanging out. <laughs> um, God, we're old. Um, but I will say this. Um, talking Star Wars is, was always one of our favorite things, especially when the Clone Wars came out back then. And we both said the same things. The practical effects and the importance on storytelling and character development were so much better without these cool space effects or these cool space battles. Because then you start relying on the coolness of a computer, not the intricacies of the two main protagonists and how they intertwine. And so uh, if you don't have a good groundwork, um, and what I mean by that is characters, characters that you care about, characters that you feel something about, then I think you're going to be doomed to just being something that people watch on a Saturday afternoon when it's raining. Yeah. Whereas the first three movies, they were very practical. They told an awesome story, even if it was a ripoff of the Ronin from, who cares? I don't give a yeah. crap about any of that. All I'm saying is those first three movies, episodes four, five, and six, they told a very cohesive story. And in every single movie, those characters grew to be who they were so that the franchise could then take off and then make the prequels and the sequels. And we don't need to get into those right now. Um, it's that's a touchy subject amongst most Star Wars fans. Some love them, some don't. 
I'm not going to give my opinion here until we officially podcast it. Um, however, I will say, um, I, yeah, out of the nine films, let's say, that's excluding Rogue One and Solo. Two, yeah, three, all three are in my top five. So out of nine films, three come from, you know, 78, 82, 85. And all these other ones just don't compare. Although I will give special credit to one of the prequels, which I thought was insanely good. But we don't need to talk about that. That's getting off subject. We're doing campy horror movies. Point being, just to kind of come back into the focus, is that character development and making you care about somebody or care about a character, root for a character, want to see a character again in a movie, those are the type of things that get you return business. Um, uh, Jigsaw. I'm sorry, the little, the, it wasn't the old guy that got you coming back to the theater. No. It was the little puppet. Don't even tell me it wasn't. Oh, oh God. Scream. Creepy thing. You never knew who the guy behind the mask was until the very end. Whereas, like the movies we had, the, yes. the, the, they never took their mask off or the face was always prevalent. Well, that's the thing with Jason. Remember the mask came off, I think it was in 7, and we, that was the, oh. the big effect. Oh, yeah. No, and, it came off before that, too. Well, and, Oh, did it? Yeah, it has come out before, and it showed like his, his gruesome face because um, there's one in there where there was a psychic, um, and she broke, and you know you could see it was almost like the Darth Vader effect. Mm. You could see part of the face, mm. and it was all gnarly okay. and stuff like that. So, even but it just it just had a oozed little cheese to it. Even the um, effect itself. Yes, stuff. no, I I, I I totally understand, and I hundred percent agree with Ben Davis on this. There is a way to make horror fun, in mm. my opinion. And he went to the extreme because Jason Voorhees. As Jason Voorhees was on Arsenio Hall, yes, for part eight, I believe, which um, was in yeah, 89. that was uh, two before. So Jason X, and then the rebirth. So yeah, Jason eight. That's uh, Manhattan. Takes Manhattan. Yeah, that one is a oh man, that's that is a super cheese movie. Is Manhattan, and that's in there he, where he's walking down the street and kicks the I table, mean, literally just, in Manhattan, just like climbing up buildings yeah, and yeah. kicking ass. And yeah, I'm yeah. just like, oh my gosh, you guys have just yeah. reached. As far as you possibly go. Friday the 13th, if I'm not 8th, mistaken, Jason fights King Kong. You know, it was just the one before, though. Remember that uh, the military got involved. Like, all of a sudden, the Jason movie starts out with the resurrection, remember? Yeah. Well, uh, they, uh, what was that, five or six? No, that they, might have been They got six. the best at six. That was yeah. with Tommy Jarvis, where he, he had to dig him up and stab him, and then the lightning yes, hits him. And... Absolutely. <laughs> They've drowned. They, how many times have they drowned him at the bottom of Crystal Lake? Just for. <laughs> Some dumbass to come along and kick the chain. Um, Something's got my foot. My owner, let me look. But at one point, they went a little supernatural with it. Because remember, they, uh, I I don't know if you remember this one, but uh, it was where they set him up. And a girl's running. And you think it's the beginning of every other Jason Horror movie. Until he runs into the middle of the field. And then the U.S. military puts a thousand rounds in him. Take him to a corner. And then somehow he touches another man. And the soul of Jason. That's Jason X. Is, tra- is that X yes. that I'm thinking of? Okay, so there you go. It's transferred over and then or, the, the new mask. Jason Goes to Hell, whatever one no, that Jason is. Goes to Hell was one before because that was the, that was the dumber of almost all of them. I'm going to be uh, honest with you. They, 
at that point, they're just ridiculous. Yeah, no. Uh, they, they almost they did a good thing when they did the remake. Um, no, I, I okay, like so that I'm going to pause for one second. Number one, uh, faithful listeners, I am a massive Supernatural fan. I have the mm-hmm. tattoo from the Supernatural series. One of the main actors is Jared Paladecki, and he is the star of the newest installment of the Jason series. If you have not seen that, you are missing out. It is a 2000s movie. I don't know if it's even 2010s. Uh, it has to be 2010 because it's it had been a while. But the well, one maybe. with Jared Paladecki is one of the most faithful reproductions of a horror film franchise to date. And by far, it's one of my favorite installments as well. And it's because it is a typical Jason movie. Um, the sister disappears. Jared Paladecki shows up. There's a bunch of teens, and they're loud and snarky and drinking. And Jason hunts them down. And then Jared's job is to try to find his sister still alive. I mean, it even ends the best. I mean, with Jason coming out of the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's sitting on the deck. And Jason, just like number three, he comes back out of the water. Freaking fantastic. The battle scenes, the gore. I mean, oh gosh, he launches an axe at a dude running away. And it's just like, oh God bless America. So, it was good to see because uh, Jared is like, he's a big guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so me and my brother, I've always wanted to do this, is go cosplaying as the Dean and Sam Winchester. Mm-hmm. Because I'm the same size as Dean and he's the same size as Jared Paladecki. We're uh-huh. a little bit taller. Uh, um, Jensen Axon is like 6'1", 6'2". I'm about 6'3". Jared Paladecki is about 6'5". And my brother's about 6'7", 6'8". Yeah. But my brother is skinny with dirty blonde hair. Okay. And I am stocky with dark hair. Mm-hmm. We, could, we could pull it off all day yeah. long. Just get, me a, just get me a 67 Impala. Somebody, a black one, and throw it at me. I promise you. I'll yeah. take pictures for uh, you and send it out uh, there. Just give me that car, too. Oh, oh gosh. It's such a beautiful car. But, yes, because um, um, he branched out. He was the first. Jensen Ackles has done no major films, mm. uh, at least along with the uh, Supernatural series. Now, he's in The Boys. Oh, yeah. Great. Um, that. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. He's my favorite character. My He's favorite awesome. character by far. Um, so we're not going to go into that again. We, right. we got lots well, to we talk about. We just sort about. of did Jason. Felt pretty good there. But, so, uh, yes. Yeah, they start off great. Uh, one, if you're looking for Jason, don't. Just go on to number two. Two and three are good, but... Even two is Four, slow. five, and six are the precipice of the Friday the 13th series, in my I agree, opinion. I agree 100%. Three, they're not going to scare three you. starts it off. Yeah, they're not going to scare you, but no. they're, they're just good but 80s you, horror yeah, entertainment. Yeah, you, you have to realize back in the day that was a genre that people enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we're not going to call them film noir. We're not going to call it any of that. <laughs> it was literally campy, cheesy horror stuff. Yeah, they're people not going to enjoy, the vault people enjoy a good scare. I'm sorry. Around Halloween, which is my favorite time of year, everybody knows this. Ben Davis knows this. It's one of his favorite times too. Um, he's the one with the seven foot Jack Skeleton <laughs> from the Nightmare Before Christmas that will sing to you, which is unbelievably awesome. So if you want to see that, I've got a video. Post a comment in the pages wherever. I will put the video of me and Jack Skeleton singing 
when I was over here and possibly have been drinking too much at Ben's house. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, it, I think it's just, a, it's a matter of like, again, when you grow up, certain things are how they are. So uh, I know way too much about My Little Pony. Oh, we could do it on that too. Uh, we could do a way podcast too much. on My Little Pony. But now if you look at Nickelodeon, it's not on there anymore. But no. for a while there, they had seven seasons repeating because mm-hmm. it was so popular. Two movies that hit the movie. Th- I had to take my daughter to the movies to yeah, see these I, things. Oh, I did too. So, um, uh, listeners, when we say this, not to compare ponies and horror, what I'm saying is you never know what's going to be popular when you're a kid. And when we were kids, uh, horror, and especially campy horror, not, again, some of the torture films, some of the uh, just gross for being gross movies. That was not it. It was all about being a little scared and also laughing at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. That was the main difference. You laughed and you got a little scared at the same time. That's how you knew the 80s had arrived and that scares were going to be different in the 80s than, say, in the 70s. Yeah. Because of this one reason. 1974, but some people refer to it as probably the best and the scariest horror movie always. Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes out. You just read my mind. I was about to say, Texas Chainsaw Massacre has a different feel to it. That's right. And then part two comes out, and then you see it in there. All of a sudden, Leatherface. He's he's giving him, he's grinding him with that chainsaw. He's like, come here, baby. I got something for you. A little bit of sexual innuendo that was not even even been thought about putting in the first one. No, Because that would have taken away from the character's seriousness. Correct. And then you they introduce the the doofus with the chop top chop top yeah and that's played by uh, Bill Mosley who is also known his next best character is from The Devil's Rejects and House of That's the same guy I was talking about earlier he's very well known and Three from Hell which man yes it is gory but if you can get past the gore and just pay attention to the storyline. If you pay attention to all three of those movies, it tells you an interesting story about a I, sicko family yeah. of serial killers that's basically a ripoff of the Mansion. Just my brother made me go see him. He was such a he was such a fan. Yeah. And every single one of them I sat through. I paid money to see, but every single time I'm just like, yeah, I didn't see the third one in theater because oh, it was man, uh, one of those special awful. event deals. Well, you know, at the end of the second one is the shootout yep. at the very end. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, because some of them somehow made it through that shootout. Well, it was hellacious Satan powers. Uh, whatever it was. Um, yeah. Oh, dude. Yep. So, again, won't go much into that because we do have a specific well, it's not goofy enough. set of coppets that we're going to talk about. And then about. we just said, but, the, there is, you know, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre series through the 80s. To me, I, whenever we, people talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I was a kid... I always thought of it as comedy horror, not horror comedy. Agreed. Because I didn't know about the original right. until I was well mostly you, grown. I think even if you go back to, let's say, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, there is nothing comical about that movie whatsoever. No. It is a psychological terror film. Yeah. A lot of Alfred Hitchcock movies were the exact same. They were not intended to be campy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Birds, some of the other ones. Um, back then, TV was different when it came to the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone had no camp. Twilight Zone did not give an F. They would tell you some crazy stories. Again, little tidbit for the listeners. 
Um, if you don't, if you don't know who William Shatner is, Captain Kirk, he actually one of his premier roles was on uh, the TV series The Twilight Zone, and he was the one that saw the gremlin on the end of the wing. Uh, through the you know the the porthole the, the the little window through the as you're sitting in the plane and they had to restrain him and everything and then the thing ends up ripping up the engines and everything so that actually got remade in the 90s or 80s we might be able to t- cover this one because hmm. Twilight Zone the movie was four of the original episodes but then played out in more of a movie a little bit more you know. Mm-hmm. Production value. Uh, John Lithgow played William Shatner's role in that one, oh. which ended up being one of the funniest jokes ever on a TV show called Third Rock from the Sun when John Lithgow was an alien and uh, 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 Shatner was the head of the aliens. And when he arrived at the home in California, he's like, how was the flight? And Shatner went, it was terrifying. I kept seeing something on the window. And Lithgow went, I've had the same thing happen to me. <laughs> so it was a complete callback to the fact that they both played, you know, played the same character mm-hmm. in a Twilight Zone uh, style yeah. movie. So again, we'll, we'll stop uh, rounding out. So um, Ben, do you have a list for us or a, uh, a direction for us to go here in terms of the campiness? Or how do you want to do this? No, not really. I mean... How can you how can you list or define a campiness? Um, well, that is actually I think a good question. Um, some movies are unintentionally campy, such as Pumpkinhead. Okay, the one I mentioned. Yeah, you, you yeah you, you um, like that. That is a little bit more that. of a deep cut for most people because again I would go to the movie theater or the movie rental place every week. Mm-hmm. And I purposely sought out every horror movie I could find. Um, so for those that don't know, Pumpkinhead ends up being um, some people kill someone they shouldn't. A dad is overwhelmed. He goes to the local witch. She says, once I do this, it can never be called back until it's done. And then that starts the pumpkin head. And Pumpkinhead actually looks more like a xenomorph than anything. Um, but it's unstoppable. You can't kill it. It's a supernatural force. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, yeah, it does it does scare you? But at the end, the little they, you know, for practical effects, for whatever they were, um, it almost looks like uh, Grievous from Star Wars. Oh, in terms of the thinness. Oh, you know what I'm saying? How yeah, thin yeah. and how the body is ridiculously thin, and then the head is just again. Well, I mean, pumpkin head. But it takes away from it just a little bit because, I mean, he hits you once and you're flying on top of a roof. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that is one of the better ones that I saw back in the 80s that wasn't, let's say, mainstream. Um, there was another one called House and House 2. Wait, um, wait. I remember that. That's the one with the movie poster is of that dead finger ringing yes, the doorbell. House actually has the guy... That was in the Great American Superhero from back in the 70s. Um, so that's an early cut for a lot of people. So you can, it has one of the best soundtracks ever. Believe it or not, I'm flying. Yeah. So if you remember that song, believe it or not, it started with the Great American Superhero. What happens is he finds a suit and it gives him superpowers. 
but he's so inept at them. He's always crashing into things, or he's, you know, he's invincible, but he never can actually master the powers of it. So it was a little funny, Mm -hmm. but at the very end, it got scary as all. I don't know why they decided to do it. At one point, there was something within a closet. It was a demon. It sounded like a big, huge cat. And again, you've seen this guy in several episodes, seasons even, not be able to be hurt by bullets or whatever. And then all of a sudden, this thing like stripes him, like claws right down mm-hmm. his chest, cuts through this alien suit and almost kills him. So they went in a different direction at the very end. Um, yeah. That's just a little tidbit. Um, however, it's the same actor. And so this would... would fit the campiness to the T because it's about a guy and their murders happen within a house but the house becomes haunted. Oh. Oh, so he's literally burying somebody out in the backyard and they're playing you're no good, you're no good, oh, yeah, baby, yeah. you're no good. As one does. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, it, they 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 leaned into it, but both of them were so fantastic movies. But again, when we're talking about campiness, Brightly lit, even at night. You know, mm-hmm. uh, smart Alec neighbor who doesn't know what's going on for real. And then you have the protagonist who knows that the house is haunted and there's all these demons and whatever, and people are getting killed when they come over. <laughs> um, so it ends up being one of my favorite horror movies from back then, but you're going to be hard pressed to find it. So it's House, literally, House yeah. and okay. House 2. But if you thing. watch them, uh, low CGI, low VGA, so you don't have to worry about that. There's never, there's never an option for it to really be that high so, anyway. You know, low expectations. Um, so go into it with VA, yeah, low expectations. Yeah. But in terms, you're going to laugh your butt off. And it's going to be people being dis, in, like, dismembered. But for some reason, you're going to find it hilarious. <laughs> and I thought that fit into the 80s trope yeah. um, the best because... It, you know, you're just, you're like, I want to be entertained. Um, you know, horror is kind of the thing right now, but I don't want to be overgrossed out. Mm-hmm. So, um, another movie that fits that genre, The Evil Dead. Yes. I put that um, in there specifically because, okay, you have The Evil Dead as a movie. You watch The Evil Dead, you're like, man, that was a weird movie. It is a very right. disturbing so movie in some like, ways. All right, so you take it back to the video store. You say this is 1997. You're like, all right, oh, wait, there's a sequel. I'm gonna take this home and watch it. And you put it in, and say you've had a few beers or something, and you're you're watching it, and you're like, what am I watching? Didn't I just see this? Yes, what is going so on. I'm actually remaking the movie. I've actually met Bruce Campbell. Uh, I have a signed copy of his autobiography. Yeah. Um, so everybody knows Sam Raimi. At, well, I'm not going to say everybody, but most people He's should He's a very know. popular... I mean, he directed the original Spider-Man movies, okay? Didn't he redo Dawn of the Dead? Yes, he did. And he oversaw the new remake of his own movie, which was unbelievable, but so scary compared to the first one. Um, what movie? Uh, Evil Dead. They redid Evil Dead. I don't... About 15 years ago, they redid it. I have not seen it. Oh, it's totally worth watching, dude. Okay. Yes. No, it's take all of the campiness. Now, here's here's our thing. We were talking about campy 80s movies. Take all of the campiness out of it. Put more of a really sinister, 
tone, sinister lighting, sinister, I mean, everything. Make it really in-depth when it comes to the supernatural aspect. So, kind of what you think, what I think, what I think they wanted from the original, they just didn't have the budget to make. That is 100% correct because, again, I have special knowledge on this one, having read as much, again, one of my favorite movies, so I do know everything about this movie. Um, the original is not actually the original. Oh. Uh, there is one that is a film project from the University of Michigan. Mm -hmm. And so that is the original Evil Dead. And when you watch that, you're like, okay, this is a bunch of 20-something-year-olds making a movie. The VX is that low, the story, the acting, everything. It gained such a cult following that they decided to reshoot it. Now, just so you know, anybody who wants to go visit that cabin in Tennessee, it no longer exists. It's burnt to the ground. You go see the the sites. Excuse me, listeners, I apologize. Um... Because it became a like a cult following. People yeah. kept coming to it. Eventually it burned down in a, some type of fire, whether it was lightning or whatever. But, um, okay. but they yeah, shot the whole thing on this site on a very small budget. I mean, Raimi had to go out with Campbell and get that um, production money. And so when they got it, uh, that's when it did go into theaters. It didn't do great, but HBO propelled it to stardom. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of movies, because if you have a limited access window in terms of I'm not going to play in 5,000 theaters, I'm going to play in 2,000 theaters. That means they're only hitting big markets. That's today. Back when this came out, you're talking more like... Even less. Hundreds yeah, of them. Hundreds. hundreds of theaters, not thousands. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of people didn't see it in the theater, but when it came to HBO, then it... Oh my gosh. Immediately... People loved it, yeah, and yeah. not to drive our thing for this podcast into the ground, but so overwhelmingly campy and horribly just silly yet horrifying at the same time. You know, and, and part of that is probably because, you're right, the HBO, and when you come in on a movie like that, and you're in like 30 minutes into it, the Necronomicon, like, baby. What the hell is this? <laughs> and they did, you know, this they did hilarious. the they did the video of the thing coming through the the, the woods. Um, Bruce Campbell, you know, listeners, if you don't know him, he's prolific. He's been in hundreds of films, um, and he's he's a great actor. He is. He's very underrated. He plays the part of Ash perfectly. Once again, there's a silliness to it. So. Um, again, we've talked about this. There are no spoilers on movies that are 40 to 45 years old. When the demon tries to come out of the thing, I'll mm. swallow your soul, I'll swallow your soul. Mm. It's supposed to come off really scary, but the look of the demon and this <laughs> thing going, I'll swallow your soul. You're like, you almost feel like it's a munchkin from The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, I know, um, it's hilarious. And then when his left hand attacks him, mm. he gets bit and he gets infected. And his left hand starts to attack him. Some of the most ridiculous acting you've ever seen. Almost on the on the line of a Jim Carrey. Mm -hmm. Like you think he's being <laughs> and he's the, the hand's attacking his face, and then he has to cut it off with a chainsaw. I mean, just <laughs> everything is so unbelievable. Oh, they want it to be so serious, but it did not. And I think that is exactly why in the 90s 
they made Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Darkness. which is nothing but one punchline after another. So, listeners, if you haven't seen Evil Dead 2, I don't care if you see Evil Dead 1. I mean, it is a classic. I went to the Durham Performance Arts Center with Bruce Campbell. They showed the original college film then showed the remake, and then showed Evil Dead 2. I was there for like eight hours. I didn't care. I was in, I was in heaven. Mm-hmm. But when you compare the first two, it's just production value. When you get to the third, you're like, okay, they knew exactly the audience they hit. They had made, yeah. They knew the cheese factor. And so, again, it's little tiny things. Because Ash goes back into history. Yeah. And he's in, you know, uh, basically medieval times. And he has a shotgun and, you know, a a car with him that doesn't work. And, you know, one of the most famous lines in the world is, you know, someone tries to rush him and he he shoots the shotgun and everyone backs up in disbelief as it's magic. And he said, this is my boomstick. (laughs) If any of you primitive screwheads comes near me again, you will know what it is. And then he literally goes through the perfect description. Cobalt steel with the wood hand, and then it's the very end of it is, remember folks, shop smart. Shop S-mart. Hmm. Why, that, why is that in a, a horror <laughs> film? Because it's campy. Um, the, the next scene where the, the witch comes out of the fire and never, you know, like he's, he's sitting there doing kung fu moves on her that he has no business doing. <laughs> And you were just like, oh my God, he is... And then she does something, and he literally puts the shotgun over his shoulder, almost like the Batman back fist. Yeah. And, you know, pulls the trigger, and and he shudders. Like, he shudders with delight. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know, uh, another demon. Hey, she-bitch, come here. Um, When he's uh, doing the Necronomicon, uh, Nastu Varata Nikto, and he can't get the words right, and he's like... Klaatu, sorry, Klaatu, I know your damn words, you know. It's just ridiculous. Um, His doppelganger attacks him. He cuts his head off and throws him in the dirt, but he can still talk. And, and, you know, the doppelganger's going, I'm going to swallow your soul, I'm going to swallow your soul. And he just goes, hey, what's that on your face? And he goes, huh? And then he shovels dirt in his face, like as he's starting to bury him. (laughs) It's little tiny things like that. Um, that they knew, again, what audience they were going for, man. And they played both up the horror and the camp at the exact same time. Perfect. It was the perfect 80s movies, but in the 90s. I watched it as a senior in high school, and I will never forget it because I was over at a friend's house on a Friday night, and we were crying, Mm. literally crying. (laughs) We were laughing so hard, and we did nothing but quote that movie for like a good four weeks after that. Hey, she bitch. You know what I mean? Like, just, it was unbelievable. And then, you know, again, with, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I hate to say it again so much. I do apologize, listeners. When he's fighting his doppelganger, I'm good, Ash. You're bad, Ash. And he starts making fun of him. And the guy just shoots him in the face and he goes, good, bad. I'm the guy with the gun. <laughs> and so... So many one-liners packed into a short period of time. They they knew what they, they it was comic gold. So 
I know we just went off on a tangent, and I do apologize, that listeners. Is, um, but if you're talking about a campy 80s horror movie, 1,000% put Evil Dead on the list. Oh, yeah. Just so that you can then turn around and watch Evil Dead 2, uh, The Army of Darkness. Yeah, you that, got those, to. Uh, those movies are some of my wife's favorites. Absolutely. And so she does not funny. like horror movies, so and, that's how you know. at the same mm-hmm. time. Uh, Music-wise, they'll throw in that funny song that just happens to fit. Um, so I guess, you know, as we go through this, um, you know, we're kind of talking about campy 80s boost. So yeah, we've I mentioned would've... Freddy. A little bit. We did mention him. You know, he, um, he's, you know, he had a couple of films off. in Started the 80s that wrong. were, we mentioned it last time, 87 mm-hmm. with the Dream Warriors. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to watch movies, that is one of the more fantastic franchises to get into. If you like campy stuff, like don't go into it for gore and horror. Don't go into it if you're looking for a hostel. Don't go into it if you're, let's say, looking for a saw. Um, that's not the type of film this is. Um, you're going to go into it if you're just looking for a funny old horror movie to watch. Uh, Jason movies. Again, in the middle. Campy. In the beginning, pure horror. And they really tried to revisit that Um at the end with the new remakes. Mm-hmm. They tried desperately with Freddy to do that with the remake. Um, it just didn't pull off because, I'm sorry, Jason doesn't say anything. Michael Myers doesn't say anything. You can get anyone to play them. Yeah. You cannot replace Robert England. You just uh, can't do it. Very true. Um, Scarzard with It. It came out <clears throat> late 80s, early 90s. The TV series, remember? Mm-hmm. Not yeah, the, I remember. There was no movie, but it was like, 12 episodes yeah, on it was USA. Yeah, stuff, yeah. But it scared the piss out of people. Yeah, it, it and did. And that I was a being... great performance by... John Ritter. Not John Ritter, the guy from a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, you're right. John Ritter was one of the, one of the little kids. One of the kids, up. 100%. And, uh, Tim Curry. Yes, sir. The just unflappable, just, just always puts a thousand percent into every single... Project he ever does, Tim Curry. Are you Dr. Frank Furter? No, oh, I, I'm, I, I, that I'm movie Pennywise. makes me more uncomfortable than any other movie ever recorded. Um, I never understood why people would want to dress up and reenact that movie, but to each their own. I, I don't mind watching it over on um, Halloween, but, but also, I don't wear the fishnets. Oh, f- no, fudge that. Um, however, uh, I will give him props. He was in my favorite TV show, Monk. And he was a recurring character. He was the whale. Oh, you're right. The one that was you're in prison right. that could not move, but somehow created the murders. And yeah. that was just a great set of mm-hmm. uh, things. Again, off subject, but Tim Curry. Look him up. If you like horror movies, he's fantastic mm-hmm. in everything. Yeah. Um, we go into Michael Myers. Same type of scenario. I think his movies were so much campy as they were just bad in the 80s. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, you, you know, uh, you had a bankable star. Well, she in was in Halloween 2, which was 81. Right. And then she wasn't in another one until H2O, which, which was meant 20 years after the first one. So well, it's like Johnny Depp being what, in 98. The, Johnny Depp was in the first uh, Friday the 13th. Yeah. I mean, people don't realize. No, that. it was Kevin Bacon. No, and it was Johnny, Johnny Depp. Depp was in Nightmare on Elm Street. You know what? I'm 100% wrong. 
you are 100% right. I mean, Bacon was in I know. 13th. Uh, uh, Depp was in Nightmare on Elm uh-huh. Street. And but think about that. that two guys that right now are still making movies. Oh, yeah. We're in some of these campy 80s well, Who would have thought it would have been these, these? I mean, you know, anybody. It's oh, hard to believe. my goodness. You watch, you watch those movies, and they did not have standout performances, really. Not 100%. They weren't even the stars. Uh, Depp was the... He was like the... The boyfriend of the star. Yeah, he was like, well, he was like the second or third name. I would say second, um, unless you count Freddie. Yeah. Um, because the original act, the actress... I can't remember, but he was mm-hmm. responsible for keeping her mm-hmm. awake. Like but, they were best but friends. Bacon, Bacon was, and then Bacon. That was not his first movie. No, that was eighty. That was well after the. But he was in it. National Lampoon's thing. But you're just like, oh my gosh! Like, how did these people end up in these type of films? Yeah. Um, so, so there you go. People like ah, oh, crappy eighties horror, and it propelled no, lots some of, of are people. Actually, pretty fantastic. Jennifer Aniston, the Leprechaun. Leprechaun. Um, that's a really dig deep. There are three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so plot basically is leprechauns not nice. <laughs> Want to change the entire world, like literally change our environment into theirs. Um, so involved kids especially, and an evil leprechaun that chased them around. Uh, that one was a, one where the VX almost takes away from it though, mm. because the leprechaun was so horrible. No. Oh. Um, now, was he in that same vein, oh, he was just, the makeup was terrible. Oh. Um, but in that same vein, you had Chucky. Yes. Now, Chucky, they couldn't really mess that up because it was a doll. I think the first one was actually kind of scary. I, I would agree with you 100%. Um, so, for those who don't know, again, no spoilers on old movies, we're talking about an inmate who is so the beginning of the movie? This is, is the movie Child's Play. The movie Child's Play. The inmate is getting electrocuted, and his soul somehow gets into the newest doll. That again, Megan. Ah, uh, yes. I'm sorry, but I had to bring that up. Always creepy dolls, man. Creepy dolls. Uh, poltergeist. We'll get into poltergeist here in a second. Oh yeah. Um, creepy doll, and he he comes to life, and he starts. You would think. Now I'm just saying this out loud. You would think, based off the concept of just what you're hearing us talk about, you're like, how in the hell is that scary? It's a child's doll. I'm going to tell you what. Uh, they straight up made it hard. Because, mm-hmm. number one, the doll was an inmate. A former yeah. death row inmate. So he spoke like him. It's like he a murderer like or something, him. yeah. He, and then the way he killed people... It wasn't always... I mean, it was gruesome. He yeah, sliced them brutal. up. You know, he would set traps for them and stuff like that. There's a reason why there's been like seven Chucky movies. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, good gosh, in, when you start including The Bride of Chucky and mm. everything. Uh, <laughs> um, Chucky was one of those great, great campy horror films. But they really try to take it seriously. Um, another good example of that... Let's say before we get into the poultry guys, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lawnmower Man. Do you remember that one? Yeah, but that I don't was a Stephen King short story. I have no idea what it's about, though. Uh, literally, a guy who eats grass and then starts killing people. It's, okay. a, it's a short story, and then like he can't stop eating grass, and then he can't stop eating anything, so he starts killing people. All right. Yeah. Um, 
really similar to the one, oh goodness, what was the one about the internet? The internet wasn't even the internet in the 80s, but the guy somehow would come over your AOL and kill you. The 80s? Yes. Oh, man. oh my gosh. It was, a, it was right around the same time as uh, that. You know what, listeners? We're not gonna not we're not gonna bore sure. you with trying to think about it because there's so many movies. Yeah, I don't know that. Um, so Stephen King. Let's go through Stephen, oh, Stephen King. Stephen King made some. You know what? Let's take a station break. Yeah, take a hot second. Um, and then I think Stephen King alone, we can talk about for a little bit. We've already hit on Pennywise. Yeah. Um, you know, with yeah. it, but he alone had four movies in the '80s that were worth talking about. Yeah, we. I think we've hit the majority of the Majors. major horror icons from the 80s. And uh, it's hard to realize how these people are so campy or realize that Hollywood Horror Nights. Well, you know, it wasn't there that long. And again, we'll get to that station break here in a second. But remember, uh, HBO ruled the roost. Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Tales from the Crypt was one of my favorite favorite 8B. And I don't know if that was late 80s or early 90s. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I think it, it, it was on for a long time. Um, but every Saturday. I remember. A new it. Tales from the Crypt. It. And it was nothing but an hour long horror movie. With a skeleton as your intermediary <laughs> that would tell you the things in between. And like make really stupid jokes about how ghoulish things were. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that fit exactly what people were trying to look for back in like the day. Like the Count's, uh, the Count from Sesame Street's dead cousin or, or something. <laughs> or, or, or even what we were talking about off mic, Elvira. Yes. She's technically like late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, she hosted um, a TV but show. But that was her genre. Years. Was, I am the host of a show that is going to show you horror movies. Oh, well, then, uh, uh, what was it? J- Joe, Joe Bob? Jim Bob Thornton? Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob, there we go. Was that his name? No, the, yeah, he hosted the TV show. I do not remember. I'm sorry. We're gonna. I'm gonna look this up on our. We'll, we'll break. look on this on our our, our station break back in a second. So again, as always, we say it'll be a couple of minutes for us, but it'll be nothing for you. We'll see you in just one second, and we're gonna start going into, like I said, Stephen King and some of the things we just talked about. Yep. Do you, All do you right, have again, a, uh, hasn't been long for y'all, <laughs> but we went outside and we had a couple of conversations. Um, so we're going into Stephen King now, because he did have uh, several films during the 80s, none of which I would call true horror, except for one, which I'll, I'll say Carrie. Oh, yeah, that's like the I don't think that time. was late 70s. I really do think that was early 80s. I think you're right. Um, Cujo. That made it onto my uh, little... Thing and that was like 1980, right? Um, Cujo um, at its base was kind of like it's a dog, dude. Uh, well, to some people, that is, is as horrific as life gets. It is. I know it played into a certain demographic's fear because uh-huh. fear of dogs is a specific yeah. thing. Um, but oh my gosh, so many, you're like, why didn't you just do this? That is. There's no effects to that movie. No. They just threw some coloring on the dog and dirtied it up. And no. They got um, all hot in the car. Ultra Camp. I'm talking about Ultra... Before I get to my favorite one, which isn't very campy. Ultra Camp. Maximum Overdrive. The one <laughs> about the 
yeah. semi-trailer that goes crazy and has the demon. It looks almost like the Green Goblin face yep. on the front of it. Mm-hmm. Um, listeners, don't even bother. Uh, ACDC did the soundtrack. Yes. Don't bother on that. So... Who made who? That's the song that came from this movie. I know, but oh my gosh. Like, if there's a cliff notes for movies, you need to do that with Maximum Overdrive. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the last one that I want to go into... I'm going to mention it, even though I don't say it's camp. And I want to say it had one of the Hames in it as well. Silver Bullet. Yeah, that's... Which made the the real. Corey, Corey Haim. Corey Haim. So, I'm going to be honest with you. um, It is scary as hell. But what leads it into the camp, and I'm just being honest, is the fact that he shot the thing in the face with a bottle rocket. Yeah, and just the thing that's supposed to be a werewolf that looks like a black bear. And it kind of does look like a black bear with a whole lot less fur and maybe standing on its paws. Um, that, the VX, they didn't even try. I'm, I'm sorry, they didn't. Like, when that thing gets hit in the head, it look, it, it almost, I mean, I'm talking about it looks as bad as a jackalope. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just literally, you're just like, there is no way this is real. It takes you completely out of the movie. Up until that point, um, you were definitely scared. People dying. They had some pretty vicious scenes with the wolf biting and slashing, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> but then it's Corey Haim in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. I forgot he was in the wheelchair. Yeah. And he shoots a bottle rocket off his wheelchair, sticks it in the eye, and all of a sudden, a werewolf was like, nope, don't want no part of this. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, I have to mention that one. My wounds at home. There's actually one more, I'm sorry, (laughs) that made it into the 80s. And it it does fit the camp. Sleepwalkers. I love that movie. The cat people. I'm sorry. The cat vampire people. The cat vampire people. Uh, The weirdest intro to a movie of all time. They are slow dancing. A mom and a son are slow dancing... Uh, to an instrumental version of... Mom. Yes. Oh, gosh, she was. And it made no sense whatsoever, but they're dancing to a very old version of feelings. Uh, but it's mm. just the instrumental version before they actually put words to it. Yeah. And that will haunt your dreams, listeners. That just was, the sound it, of it on that record, okay? Remember... I'm thinking about the scene that you're you're painting, not just the sound, but that is the scene out of... I think any pornography that you could search today, because they oh. all everything today is supposed to be about oh. step this, step that, step oh. mom. Step I don't bro. understand the yeah. <laughs> What's off, going on with kids today? Off, off subject. Um, yeah, uh, we said that the '80s kids do not tolerate hate in any form. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean, but yeah, if you're into some if you can't keep it in your pants and you keep it in the family <laughs> the 80s kids are coming out right now and saying no thank you we're, we're um, we don't want any of that <laughs> and so that's what made that weird that movie so it sets the tone for yeah, its man. weirdness again it was, the record player you're actually looking through the window almost like you're a peeping tom you're right like that's, what the director it's, was it's thinking it's like a scene from a pornography it, it, what the director is thinking is i have no idea and it's the mom and the son he got his start and then god the cat faces don't even get me started on those the cat he drove a really cool car that is true, he did, but I, but campiness. He drove like a... And I don't think... Was I think a Z28 that, or a Trans Am? I can't remember. It was one of the two. 
It was a Z28. Yeah. Um, Camaro. My friend off subject had one. And the coolest thing about his car is he had this thing where it had 150 different uh, horns. <laughs> like you could play things. Yeah. You could play a, a tone versus just go honk, honk. Yep. Um, and I hate to say it, listeners, but back in the day in South Georgia, one of the most favorite horns was, of course, the Dixie, the Dixie horn, horn from the Duke boys. Duke's a hazard, man. So well, that was yeah. not played. I'm just saying it was not played out of hate. It was not played out of some Southern pride. It was played because people thought it was really cool to hear something from the TV show. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that rounds up most of his movies during that time. Because well, I know, think some Stand of them, By Me was in there, but it wasn't a horror movie. And it was Stand the, By Me was in the 80s? It was 86. It oh my gosh, you are right. Best, uh, Will Wheaton. Might be one of the best movies he's ever was ever by oh, him. Done all four movie. actors, super famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. One of the ones that wasn't true horror. It was just a short story. Yeah. Simple, like, little fact, by the way. Stephen King has more short stories that are movies than he actually does novels. So, um, just to give you an example, off of one book called Four Seasons, they got Apt Pupil, Mm. which was the one where the next door neighbor was the Nazi, Uh The Green Mile, (laughs) um, John Coffey, Tom Hanks, Mm -hmm. and Shawshank Redemption. Wow. People do not realize that Shawshank Redemption was written by Stephen King. Um, so don't sweat on Steven. If you're going to go back listeners again, cause we're talking about eighties movies. Don't, don't sweat on Steven, man. Cause he had a bunch of them. There's a reason why he made so much money. Yeah. That's the thing. I was just sitting here thinking, I'm like his best movies he ever made were not horror movies. And two, I never hear anybody ever say, you know, in today's Hollywood minute, most uh, wealthy celebrity, Stephen King. That man's got to be worth a lot of money. He's worth a ton of money because he still sells books. Yeah. Um, and he's optioned all of these. And remember, it wasn't too long ago. Now, it was a horrific movie. Um, but, it, you know, again, we're talking about a horror guy, so we're not too far off topic. Um, was The Gunslinger. The Dark Tower series. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, they messed up big time with that. Yeah, they did. And it wasn't that. Faithful Lister because they cast uh, Idris Elba. It was him and McConaughey. It was yeah. because they took none of the source material whatsoever and had anything to do with any of the books. So um, if you want a great series from the 80s and early 90s, uh, start with The Dark Tower 1 and read them through, it is fantastic. It has connections to a bunch of other books. I don't know, at some point, Stephen King wrote himself into a book. And then it connects. Like, there are things from The Stand that actually have something to do with The Dark Tower. There are other wow. There are other books. Um, I want to say The Dome and um, another one about... What was it? Oh, I can't remember, but it was about dreams. And it had a direct mm. reference, too. So it's one of his projects. 
But I think if you want a good starting point for horror movies in the 80s that aren't, you know, again, we're not going to say, let's say campy, but they're not strictly horror. Stephen King is an easy look up on Google or IMDb mm-hmm. for movies yeah. uh, during that time period. So now we, we talked about it, but we didn't get to it. But we have to talk about Poltergeist. Yeah, Poltergeist. That uh that's so funny (laughs) my uh daughter and um her best friend were over here during this past summer and we're watching and i said you guys should watch poltergeist and marilyn said i tried to watch the movie it was so boring i was like this is what is wrong with you child this is so strange that you said that because on a very long drive I showed my daughter in the surround sound system in the car. She's holding the iPad, mm-hmm. but I'm playing the sound through the surround yeah. sound. I let her watch uh, the original Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. or not Friday the 13th, but uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. which scared me to death as a kid. Yeah, She said it was meh. Uh, meh. And I'm like, how does this... And so desensitizing, I don't know. But the same experience had to me. I think it, I hate to say it, but I think it's the same thing as like when I was a kid, I could appreciate Nosferatu, mm-hmm. the movie, the black and white. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, But was it scary? No. But was it probably scary to people at the time? Yes. And, well, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Was, like, you know, Frankenstein and those Frankenstein, type of movies, those weren't scary. Remember, the, they, the, uh, they tried to revive it with Tom Cruise. You yeah, know, the, that particular... Yeah, dark Universe thing. Yeah, the yeah. Dark Universe with us, uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon. I remember having to go down to the convenience store to get the little cardboard cutouts... Mm-hmm. So that I could watch the creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D on TV. That's cool. Um, that one tied into Dracula and yeah. the Werewolf. Not so. I, I mean, remember, I'm talking about the I original. Watching those two, Michael Landon, the Werewolf. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about that those, old. Those were good movies. Now, our watch either of our children watch that, and they, they all would, had our children t- would not watch that. They would no, not make it through it's, it. It's um, too slow. I yeah. really do believe it's too slow for them. Mm-hmm. Um, now I feel like everything is geared towards people on Ritalin almost. Hmm. Like I want to push you to a point, but not yeah. push you over. But sometimes I love an action movie, but sometimes I feel like they cram too much in there. Like, yeah, and not to do too much of a callback, but where's the character development when hmm. all you're doing is running? <laughs> like the few scenes that they talk shape. to each other and like, yeah, my 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 mom died and but like that doesn't make me give two shits about you because it's a little tiny blib in a two hour movie. It's a, like a two minute section. Now if he if they had gone so any type of emotional development to get there so that he finally opens up. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. But it's almost like a passing, you know. My mom, oh, yes, my uncle raped me when I was 14. Oh, okay, now I care if you live or die, right? Mm. 
Yes, they, they just choose the most horrific things in the world to try <laughs> to get you invested. And you're like, well, I mean, for two people that this has happened to, they sure are glib about the fact that they're in a horror movie. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like they were happy-go-lucky people up and now all of a sudden, you know, if it bothered you that bad, like, is really the, is Jason coming hacking after you? are going to be like, oh, that's right. My dad beat me as a kid. I mean, I, I just don't understand that mentality. Um, much props to, let's say, Last of Us on mm. HBO um, that came from a video game. But again, people have bigger things to think about. They're not worried about anything other than their next meal and not getting yeah. eaten by the zombies. So when you throw it in there, it seems so forced. Yes. Would you agree about that? Mm-hmm. Um, And I don't think that forced things go over well with audiences. I think you need to build things naturally. There's no time for that these days. Man, I I just, you know, I don't want to hear there's no time when Black Panther's over two hours. No joke. Um, I don't want to hear it when Endgame and Infinity War are over two hours. What about Avatar being, what was it, four hours almost? Um, It's... I don't think it pushes three. I think it's pushing three. Is that what it is? However, you, I know what you're thinking of because James Cameron and listeners, I do apologize. I am suffering from several different infections. So you're hearing my voice go a little bit. Um, he said this way of water movie. Yeah. There's a nine hour version. Damn. Nine hours. That's not needed. What? What the... What uh, write a write a freaking novel? Yeah, like that's what Michael Mann did with Heat. Oh, Heat! Uh, I know we're off subject, listeners, and we do apologize. Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Heat—one of the best movies that has ever been made. Ever put it on your list immediately. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Go watch that movie. So continue, Ben. I'm sorry. Well, where was I? <laughs> <laughs> um, we were talking about uh, Way of Water being Oh, nine. yeah, we were talking about uh, the length of movies yes. and not having time, yeah. Heat was a long movie for its time. Yeah, that was. Um, but Remember Malcolm X? I went to the I theater and saw it. I don't know that I've ever it. made it all the way through it Malcolm X. three with hours. Um, what was it with Kevin Costner? Oh, Dances with Wolves. Had Both an of those intermission, long. remember? Oh my gosh! Because it was three, it was over three and a half. Wow! There was an it, intermission. You had the last movie to do it. I bet. But now, was it epic in scope? Was it epic in cinematography? Was it epic in acting? Yes, it was all of those plus that. That's what put him in a certain echelon of actors. Put him up over the scope um, that you don't necessarily get to unless you've been in an epic, sort of like that. Um, however, um, the last one I remember is the Robert Rodriguez slash Tarantino movie. That was a horror movie, kind of horror camp movie. Yeah. Um, where they both directed basically an hour and a half movie. What was that called? Um, Um, one was Machine Gun Girl or something. Oh. It had a stunt guy. That hunting yeah. girls down, 
And the um, next one had death, uh, death proof or something. I don't no. remember. Oh my god! But it was fantastic because I didn't have to pee, so I sat and watched it. And they showed fifty style um, commercials. Yeah. And one of them was lesbian Nazi zombie fighters. Oh yes. You know, the werewolf, the, yeah, the woman of the SS. Yes. Yeah, they went so crazy with the commercials in between. That them. one was directed by Rob Zombie. Oh wow! Well, Makes I know. Sense now. Oh, I got you. Yeah, hmm. I know what you're talking about. Yes, but yes, the one where she cuts off her leg and attaches, or her leg's been cut off. She attaches yeah. it with the uh, with the machine gun. So, well, but anyway, you, we're super. One of your favorites from uh, the '80s. How would would you say that uh, the Hellraiser franchise was campy? Oh my gosh, I can't. Well, okay, so you're 100 percent right. I would never, ever put Hellraiser in camp. Only because it's like almost a mixture of some weird sci-fi and horror together. And that one is borderline saw, borderline hostile in terms Mm -hmm. of the fact that when they torture people, they have no problem. But I'm glad that you brought it up because Hellraiser 2 and 3, 100% go into the camp. Because they killed off some of the original people, except for Pinhead. And so the bad guys kept getting more and more ridiculous. Uh, Like, they just did. Like, one had a camera for a face. Oh, man. It was literally that horrible. So um, any listener who wants to watch a movie, if you watch Hellraiser, be forewarned. Because the first one is gruesome, gory, and scary. Uh, if you are into the camp, then that's when you go into two and three because they didn't have the same uh, budgets, let's say. And mm. Hellraiser 3 was shot in Greensboro, North Carolina. Oh, that's right. I forgot that. Another series that I would say more than... I'd say that ruins the, its title sure. for, for uh, classicness. All right, yeah. With campiness. Lay it on me. Night of the Living Dead. Oh, my gosh. So that one's been done over and over by Romero. Um, Day of the Dead and everything else. Um, There is one that came out at that time. I don't remember if it was late 80s or early 90s where the zombies became self-aware and, like, they had a leader. And at that point, it becomes nothing but camp um, because they have a big destructive bus they have this city walled off with all these huge machine guns. Um, so Then they have it, a government. And oh, <laughs> it is. It's like a mini government. So that one actually goes straight into the camp because at no point are you ever scared. You literally do not give two flying fudges what's going to happen to anybody. You're just looking for the gruesome zombie deaths. Yeah. You know, what are the most inventive ways, sort of like this is not an 80s film, but like Zombieland? Oh, yeah. Most creative oh. kill of the week goes to... Go. Yeah, that was a good one. That, that That is the Night of the Dead and the Day of the Dead movies during the 80s. They really <laughs> so badly wanted to be serious, but the FX was so bad. Like when they were chewing the skin, and it, you could tell it was like nylon. You're just like, oh, okay, this is... This this fits into the camp because it's oh it's so horrible. Yeah. I mean I'm gonna watch you of course, but yeah it's so bad. Um, one of probably one of my favorite vampire movies that when they remade it they did a lot better job of making it 
non-campy, but just because of its visual effects, uh, Fright Night. Fright Night, another um, Stephen King novel. Um, oh, really? Short story. I did not know I that. I apologize. That's another one that was in the back of my brain, and I forgot to bring it up. And yes, uh, they again more bright than it needs to be for a dark lit mm -hmm. kind of like a. Um, I think it happens in a warehouse type deal, um, but very very entertaining, very very entertaining. There's another vampire movie on the tip of my tongue. Happened at that same time, had the same concept, mm. and I just cannot pull it out of my brain right now. Oh, well, then, but it was very similar to Fright Night. There was a uh, um, there was like a two to three year window where um, Fright Night style movies, Lost Boys, mm -hmm. was the one that kind of broke that genre. Oh um, yeah, there was a big time vampire push. Vamp I remember my, my best friend is a vampire. That was like oh a, my gosh, like yes, a PG exactly. PG thirteen style thing. Um, so many vampire movies came out. Um, again, with the Lost Boys, I'm sorry, I keep saying again, uh, the Lost Boys breaking that tradition mm -hmm. in the terms of they modernized it and yet made it scary at the same time. Yeah, where the, everybody else who tried to modernize it made it really, as we're talking, campy. Yes. Lost Boys was the successful merger of 80s punk plus the music and a vampire story that, you know, it was kind of hard not to know who the head vampire was. But if you haven't seen it, it, it you know, it's supposed to be a twist mm -hmm. at the very end. Um, and the number of bankable stars. It was like... Uh... Like, kind of like M like MTV Cops was Miami Vice. This is like MTV Vampires. Yeah, it kind of was because everybody was very fashionable at that time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Keanu Reeves and they they wore the leather jackets and the, and the had their hair. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. um, a lot of ozone was depleted during the filming of that film <laughs> to keep that hair at that That's height. Right. Yeah, you had to do it. Um, it was. Uh, it's an interesting time in fashion there in the very late 80s. It was. The height um, of hair metal. and. But I think you nailed it when you said it, though. It, it played straight into so many personality types during that time. Mm. You know, I totally agree with you. It was a film that even though it was an 80s vampire film, it still filled all of those slots of humor, mm. the Corys, bankable stars, and if I'm being honest, like, you know, attractive guys dressed with their 80s hair band, you know, outfits, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? The heartthrobs, as they called them. Um, people don't remember. remember. Bill and Ted. You know... Sadly, the, uh, the he 80s, was in it. Who? Oh, the guy from Ted, Alex Winter. Yeah, Alex yeah. Winter from yeah, Bill and Ted. Yeah. yeah, he was. People look at. Uh, I think people look at the uh, '80s horror camp and the excess of the '80s in general as sort of uh, excess and stuff that kind of wasn't needed. Well, I think the statement and, that art imitates life is poignant, yeah, and it's kind of. Because kind of both of those things kind of died out there in the '90s. I and, agree with and that. And horror, 90s horror did became not very formulaic 
in terms yeah. of movie making. It took Kara for a long time to kind of bounce back. I still, I still think it's limping, if I'm being yeah. honest with you. Megan has been one of the better things that's come out, and they even say it's campy. Imagine that, the doll doing a weird dance and people thinking, oh, this is so kind of yeah. like cra stupid and crazy at the same time, resonating with audiences. Really? Scratch <laughs> my beard here that this is working, yeah. you know what I mean? Because the majority of horror that's come out, um, we talked about it last yeah. cast, I watch a ton of movies, man. Watch a ton of them. And... A lot of the movies over the last year, number one, have relied on multiple stars per film. Mm -hmm. It's not a single leading person mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. Number two, there's been more espionage, not sleight of hand, but back and forth plot lines. Um, that involve high stakes money and things like that. Not necessarily horror. Okay. And the horror that has come out is continuing the trend of more supernatural leaning versus a true, let's say, monster. Yeah, I think the, what, the most popular and most profitable franchises of late is the Conjuring universe. I, that is sort of like the Blair Witch Project on steroids. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, it is building off of the intense fears that the Exorcist developed a long time ago. Oh, the Exorcist. That's a good one. Was that 80s or 70s? 70s. That's, that's back when horror movies were horror movies. When yeah, they I was going to say, that you. would never make this podcast in terms of campiness because no. that will scare you white. Yeah. That's like your hair white. It's a different last one. They were meant to scare you. I mean, All right, changed. so um, let's take one more break, and then we'll hit some highlights, and I think we're going to close this one up. We've yeah. discussed uh, like 30, 40 movies. I mean, it, maybe 20, 30 movies. Um, but we've discussed a bunch of stuff, giving the listeners a lot to kind of give it a Goog, give it a YouTube, and see if it would be one of their type of things. Um, but I definitely think we've covered the genre. All right. We'll be back in a bit. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Sorry. So we figured out that uh, Stephen King alone kept America running in the 80s. Yeah, seriously. On his movies, he, just, he made 38 During our movies. break, we figured out that he made 500 movies. Yeah. Um, no, we did. We We're, came up with a couple 10. more. to talk, At least 10, at least right? 10. I mean, uh, so... We cannot go <laughs> campy 80s movies without talking about Children of the Corn. Which, you know, with its name and <laughs> Children of the Corn, you're like, oh, it's got to be spooky. Um, Children it, are scary. It, 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 it is, but it isn't. If you go, it's one of those things that it really doesn't hold the test of time. No. And because... Then, Everybody our age now, let's say the Gen Xers, we are the forgotten generation, the Gen X. They forgot we grew up with Resident Evil. They forgot we grew up playing D&D. &D. They forgot that we grew up playing RPGs to the point where we had to level characters up. Yeah. 
So there is no Gen Xer anywhere that sees three devilish children appear from the corn and just doesn't pick up that very convenient uh, hoe or that very <laughs> convenient shovel and doesn't arm himself. You know, that played to the worst case scenario in terms of people being scared and just having no clue. So I'm going to, you brought it up. I think it was brilliant. It was a good movie. I it mean, was a good movie. What but were the children's names? Was it Ezekiel? That was one of them. I think they were like traditional, if I hate to say it, like maybe um, Mennonite names yeah. or uh, the Se- Dutch. Sam, Sam, Samuela or something similar. Um, <laughs> Sam Held. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh my gosh, yes. It was um, like the name you when you're watching the show and you're like, that's what they call an angel. That type yes, of name. Yes, that is exactly the type. Very <laughs> biblical. Yeah, exactly. Um, so whenever you're in the corn and all of a sudden you hear like a, a terrifying blood-curdling scream and then you hear that name uttered and you're like, well, I'm going to die. Um, again, not so scared of very, uh, you know, three-foot uh, pale white child. I'm sorry, I'm just not. But they have dead eyes and a pale face that's round. And, and I and have a, a huge-ass hat. And, they're and looking I have at you. science and a lever when it comes to that <laughs> shovel. And if I pivot from a central point of gravity and then move it through, I can increase the velocity and the no. amount of force I'm going to apply. You're going against everything that's taught us that adults could not be mean I know. children. It's, we, we are literally talking about campy horror movies and I'm yes. applying science Linda to Hamilton them. from The Terminator and then the guy who played the Beast on the Beauty and the Beast TV show. Yes. <laughs> they cannot be mean to children. So yeah. anytime he wanted to be mean, Linda was like, no, Was that in the 80s don't. or was that in the 90s, The Beast? Damn. I don't know. Either way, I'm going to put this on record, and I'm sorry. And, and I apologize. I don't want to sound sexist. I don't want to sound anti-animal. But she was totally willing to do that dude looking like a <laughs> super vampire. Oh, yeah. I think you're right. Like super werewolf, excuse me. Excuse me. Beastly. Um, and he didn't even have the good Disney version. I mean, you know, that beast on Disney, you know, he was oh, packing some that heat. that TV show was one of the most horrible TV shows ever in terms of makeup. Yeah. Uh, it went, like, almost cat face, like we were talking about earlier. Like on the Sleepwalkers, yeah. Like, that's how horrible it was. Yeah. But once again, I'm like, why do keep movies keep... Why is there always a woman who's willing to... You know, what, what, what is it, Water, that came out, that actually won the Academy Award? Oh, yeah. What was the name of that? Um, I can't oh, remember, oh, man. Gosh. I apologize. The one where, they, was that Moonlight, where they were in the water? Something of Water or Moonlight oh, or what? Yeah. But you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Like, it was, you know, the guy from Hellboy. Mm-hmm. They just put him in and made him mute. Um, but, yeah, she had sex with a fish, dude. That's, like, oh, right. Things we'll do for our jobs and art. I'm just saying, like, oh, wow, man. You're not setting a good tone here. <laughs> a good tone. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm just saying. Like, but we did come across, uh, not to get into bestiality and everything, Jesus, uh, we're a much light-hearted podcast than yeah. that. Yeah. Um, 
even though she she still she it's like the same thing that happened in the end of Peacemaker, which is one of the best TV shows ever. I'm sorry, I'm that's a good show. I'm putting it out there. I don't care, but he talks about Aquaman. the The best part of the entire thing is that they got Aquaman and the Flash, Ezra Miller and uh, Jason Momoa to show up for the final of that. And he admitted that he had sex with fish. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they made a joke about it. So if DC can make a joke about it, then I can say, ooh. All right. Yeah. So I'm throwing there that out go. there. So uh, again, during our break, me and Ben Davis talked about two other movies. So we're kind of borderline on these because we, we talked about them. We even looked them up and they are... Um, Action horror, is that correct? Yeah, the the Toxic Avenger. All right, so that holds a weird special place in my heart. All right, I'm just going to be honest with you. Because again, I grew up in, um, I moved a lot as a kid. But one of the places I ended up was Southwest Georgia. And we really had nothing to do but to rent movies or go to the movies or Root for the local high school football, basketball, whatever it is, right? Okay. So that's when I got into looking at a bunch of different types of movies to watch. And if you look at the cover of The Toxic Avenger, it looks like a superhero movie. Yeah, it does. It sure does. But when you put it in the cassette player, you realize, holy crap. So, number one, there is a excessive, well, no, that, that is incorrect. There is a large amount of nudity. <laughs> that was what my next question was going to be. Large yeah. amount of nudity. And um, when the protagonist, you know, changes from the guy that got beat up to the toxic avenger... I have to throw this into one of my top 10. If you're talking about ways people die, campy. I'm talking about horrible VX. What is this movie so, about exactly? Um, guy gets bullied. Guy's, he's a janitor. Mm -hmm. Somehow he gets turned into the toxic Avenger. And he takes his rage out against all the people that have previously bullied him. Okay. So one of the more famous scenes, or at least one of the ones that stuck with me, from the movie is when um, someone's lifting weights. And you know when you're doing the Nautilus-style weights yeah. versus free weights? Mm -hmm. They have the bars. Yeah. So he basically catches it and it's several hundred pounds and he lifts up several hundred more pounds and puts the guy's head in there and let it drops off and it cuts literally his face in half. <laughs> so they tried to make that look as realistic as possible, but it just comes off very gross. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, not gross, but just like, oh Lord, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That, that kind of roll your eyes back in the head. The VX is so bad. But the entire movie is like that since then. Like, he just kills everybody. 
And then it ends with, again, more nudity and his disfigured-looking ass having sex with somebody. All right. It, it just, oh, man. If there is a 80s movie in terms of campy horror, I would say that one encapsulates it the best. Mm-hmm. All right? Um, but again, it's action horror. Uh, so it's a little bit weird. It's again, it's a guy. Again, sorry, listeners. Again, um, it's a guy that somehow turns into this, like from a little tiny guy to a beefcake. Um, <laughs> like, and he uh, bears a striking resemblance to Sloth from uh, the, Goonies. the Goonies. Yeah, it's kind of hey, weird. Hey, you guys. Um, the other one that you and I discussed was Swamp Thing. Now, I know that one better. Now, Swamp Thing had a famous actor, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And you can, can you Google this? Now, I know the sequel had Heather Locklear. Who was, I, I want to say like Lee Majors was Swamp Thing himself. If you can give it a goog while we're Let's alive. look real quick. Um, but I will say the synopsis is that same scenario where... Someone's being bullied. Someone uh, pushes it too far and uh, someone dies in the swamp and then somehow the swamp revives his soul as the swamp thing. Some guy named Dick Durick. All right, so I apologize about that. Let's see. But I feel like I know his name. So all of his evil henchmen... From that point on, are killed in different ways, as Swamp Thing does. Um, you know, with vines and choking, or you know, something going down the throat and whatever. Um, but he ends up rescuing his lady love at the very end of it. Again, a very weird thing. Um, but we brought this up specifically because Swamp Thing is going to play a more prominent role in the future um, in some of the movies that are going to come out because it is a property. So um, it's already been shown. We're not going to go into all that licensing stuff. It's already been shown, uh, at least in one TV show. Um, I think it's been shown in the second But don't be surprised if you see Swamp Thing, which was an 80s uh, comic book. It might have been earlier, so don't don't take me to task for that. Um, That's when I remember it, but that's when the movie came out originally. Um, And uh, don't be surprised if you see Swamp Thing in the future uh, from and... That's just crazy that he's going to be in the superhero world with Batman... Um, it's more of the supernatural world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they're they smartly separating certain things um, because you have your action, punch them up heroes, mm-hmm. and then you have your magical heroes or supernatural heroes. Um, Constantine being one of those. Uh, yeah. Um... Keanu Reeves wasn't everybody's favorite choice based on looks. Okay. Because Constantine is British, blonde-haired, and blue-eyed. 
Oh. However, he did such a great job at how he portrayed the character. You know. Yeah. I can't believe him. That they're actually green lighting a second one. Yeah, I heard about that. That one had Tilda Swinson. Yeah. As Michael. Um, had, uh, oh my gosh, Rachel Weiss as the twins. Um, one who committed suicide and one who was still left. Uh, man, just, and I cannot remember the devil's name in that one. But I will tell you listeners. And this is my absolute. I will never back down from this. If you ever want to see Lucifer played on screen as accurately as what your brain might conjure or think or whatever it may be, there will never be a greater representation than in the very end of the movie Constantine. Hmm. I cannot remember the actor's name. He's been in so many things, it's ridiculous. Is that Russian guy, isn't he? The one, he's the Russian from John Wick. Yeah. And he is also the mob guy that cuts off the toe in the very first season of Prison Break, way back when. He was also in the very last episode of 1923. Yes, he was. Oh, my gosh. Good memory there, yeah, sir. Yeah, he, he died on the tugboat. <laughs> yes, he's a, he's a prolific actor. But So we're talking horror. Yeah. So I know this is a little bit... But yet again, here we go from horror. Back. Everything offshoots to major careers. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, yes. It's, so the, ugly we're kind step, of it's the ugly stepchild of filmmaking, and yet without it, most people wouldn't have a job. Megan Fox, one of her first roles, remember, was a mm-hmm. horror movie. I can't remember the name of it, but it was one of the first ones. Because the the thing about that, and unfortunately we do live in a society where men like to see women naked. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but privacy boundaries I do have a problem with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene where she comes out of a lake and she's topless. Now she has pasties. Oh, I don't remember... She but the paparazzi got the pictures with the pasties, where it really is almost like uh-huh. chest height. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. But it was a horror movie. That was one of her yeah. first outside of the Transformers thing where, you know, her and Michael Bay got into it, and that just well, ruined yeah. everything. He's a whatever. maker and a ruiner. So, um, so I let's think we'll, wrap it up, baby. Yeah, I think we'll probably revisit horror movies at some point throughout this, our tenure as uh, this podcast. But when we do it, I believe we'll probably come in as a specific movie or a specific movie series franchise when we do it again. Agreed. We just wanted to give you guys the the top hits over the last two episodes. You know, yeah, the last two sort casts of, uh, have been about the top hits from those. Yeah, uh, the last one was... Uh, 80s fun, especially from one certain de- uh, decade, <laughs> one certain year. 87. Yeah. So. And this was uh, just the fun of the 80s horror from the, the entire decade. And when we do it again, it'll be, this is, uh, I don't know, 
Michael Myers coming at you with a knife in your face. I mean, who knows? That's yeah. the that's the great thing that, and we appreciate every last one of you for listening. Um, you know, it's two guys talking about '80s stuff because we lived it. We were there. We remember the hype. We remember the music videos. We remember the songs on the radio. We remember going to Blockbuster. We remember HBO. And, and, and all of that brings back nostalgia for us. And if it can in any way lead you to a media that you enjoy, I mean, uh, you know, that's our number one goal. Entertain and educate about our opinions, none of which are absolute. They're just our opinions about how things were in the 80s because that's when we grew up. So if you enjoy the podcast, please hit like, hit share, um, and keep listening because we appreciate you. And as always, Ben Stansberry takes us out. Always tell a friend, pass it on. You can uh, get a hold of us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Uh, we are still the music that made us on Facebook. We have not been approved for the and name. Twitter, sorry. Yeah, we've not been approved for the name change on Facebook as of yet. On, hang on, I'm going to read you the exact name of everything on Instagram because I don't want to get it wrong. Because we are 1980s underscore kids underscore on Instagram. So there you go. That'll be the only time I'll read it like that because I sound really old. <laughs> and over here on TikTok, we are uh, 80s kids Ben Davis. And I post uh, our reels at least once a week over there and other stuff too. So And we're listen. still at the music that made us on Twitter. You'll know by the 80s-looking guitar, because that's where we were heading anyway. Um, that'll be updated soon. And so uh, any likes, retweets, um, I'm going to start posting Ben Davis's reels, because they are too good to not be shared. Um, and so, again, if you like what you're hearing, um, please continue to listen. Please share with someone else. It's uh, two guys talking about the 80s. And this is Ben Davis and Carthy signing off. The 80s kids, stay safe. Wow.